Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. We are your audio newspaper, and we thank you for being here with us. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to Big D Barbecue with our Mansfield trivia question. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Multiple changes to the school board ballot in the past week. Week. Fine Arts Master Plan discussed in a moment with the mayor. The COVID-19 spread continues its decline from the Omicron peak. Mansfield Philharmonic presents A Night at the Opera. And area FFA students set to display livestock. Coming up in the features section. How is the Russian invasion of Ukraine affecting the USA and Russian partnership on the International Space Station? In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that says spring is just around the corner. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve talks in studio with Frost Bank President Randall Kennedy. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. I'm Dr. Joseph Adams, a calibration chiropractic and functional health. And if you or your loved one is suffering with headaches and or migraines, we invite you to come sit down with our team and see if we can find a solution. What we know about migraines is that they're a complex neurological disorder and there are many different triggers and appropriate treatment requires a team that can address all those factors. So if you or somebody you know is suffering from migraines, we invite you to come into the office and sit down and have a conversation with us and see if we can help you. Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health, 408 South Main Street in downtown Mansfield. Since 1988, Jack Lauderman's CPA firm has been the premier tax and accounting firm for North Texas. I'm Adam Cohen, tax manager for Jack Lauderman CPA. Whether you need CFO services or simply tax preparation or anything in between, we provide every level of business tax and accounting service. Call us at 817-231-0666 or visit us on the web at dfwtaxteam.com. That's dfwtaxteam.com. Hi, I'm Taronda Hillman, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. What started out as 15 candidates vying for four MISD school board seats has now been reduced to 10. Five school board candidates have dropped out of the race after only one week into the campaign. Kenneth Dixon, Joshua Spare, Ann Wydick, Clanita Graffenreid, and Shetema Francis have officially ended their runs for school board, leaving 10 candidates between the four open seats. Election day for school board and city council races is Saturday, May 7th. And Colleen, about Mansfield has just learned that candidate Noel Rendon has withdrawn from the race for city council place two, leaving Tamara Bounds to run unopposed. The Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting on Monday evening. The following opinions of those of Michael Evans may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. We call this a moment with the mayor. Good morning, Michael Evans. Welcome to About Mansfield. 
Good morning. Thank you very much. It's good to be here, sir. Before we get into the agenda of Monday night, I first want to congratulate you. Uh, the filing deadline to run for mayor and for city council has passed, and you are on the ballot unopposed. I appreciate it. And congratulations. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate uh, the uh, voters here in the great city of Mansfield, Texas, uh, for uh, giving a fella uh, three years uh, to uh, continue to uh, work with our team uh, of uh, the other six individuals as we work to move our city forward. So uh, it, it is an honor, and I'm humbled by uh, the opportunity. Monday night started off with a presentation from Mansfield Cares. Yes, it did. Listen, Mansfield Cares uh, held its annual uh, gala uh, the other night, and um, uh, they were there to report that they raised over $100,000 in that gala. And listen, Mansfield Cares is uh, hands down uh, one of the uh, most generous uh, nonprofits uh, that we have in town, and they give, they give many dollars, uh, tens of thousands of dollars to uh, local causes here in Mansfield. And and you know what? I'd say this about them. They're outstanding people. Uh, they have great leadership at the helm, and um, they put their money where their mouth is. And I tell you, we are all better off because of Mansfield Cares. I saw the photos on Facebook, and it looked like a, a tremendous turnout. It was outstanding. I mean, there's a whole lot of singing and dancing. I mean, it, it was it was good. I thought about getting out there, but I had to get to church the next day, and I, I didn't want that show up on that. You understand? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, you know, I uh, since I was a little kid, I've always loved trains, but not at three in the morning. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? You, you yeah. mean to tell me you don't like to hear the, the train waking you up at three in the morning? I hear the train coming. You hear the train coming. Well, well, on last uh, night, in regard to our uh, city council meeting, council passed a total actually of six resolutions, and one of which approved a uh, contract for engineering uh, concept design services for Eight, listen, I'll say that again, for eight uh, quiet zone locations uh, along the uh, Union Pacific Railroad. And, um, you know, th there's quite a bit of excitement in that regard now. You know, th there, there are some pros and cons to that, but we fully understand that we've got to take at least one step uh, toward um, uh, quieting down uh, the whistles at uh, two and three in the morning. We're trying. All right. Very good. Uh, next up was a lease agreement with uh, Ellis County. Yes, uh, we... we uh, uh, work to authorize the execution of a lease agreement with Ellis County for the express vote ballot marking device. And I'll say that again, express vote a ballot marking device uh, to be used in the uh, May 7th uh, general election. Uh, so, um, again, uh, voting is, is so very important. And uh, our hope is that um, anytime that we're handling people's votes, that we, we do that with tender, loving care. That's right. so important. And we do that. Let's talk about an auto parts store. Yes. Uh, moving along in regard to our public hearing, uh, council approved a request for a specific uh, use permit for indoor auto parts or accessory sales on approximately four acres of land uh, located at uh, 2090 uh, FM 157. Uh, a whole lot of us are familiar with those buildings as you drive down 157. They're the uh, uh, kind of uh, what I guess it would be like a, a peach colored buildings. I think we would call it that. Uh, they, they've had uh, many iterations, uh, iterations of, um, of, of businesses and things going on inside those walls. But uh, we, we approve that. And then we also passed the uh, second reading of an ordinance approving a uh, zoning change on approximately three and a half acres of land that is uh, located at 708 uh, East Broad Street as well. So uh, we moved pretty quick 
on on last night, to be honest with you, yeah. during the uh, council meeting. Uh, now, I think think one thing, though, that uh, listeners may really be interested in is the fact that we passed an ordinance uh, providing the uh, 1894 post office building at uh, 130 North Main Street uh, with a, a tax exemption. Uh, that, that's allowed to be given to buildings officially designated as historic uh, structures. So when you go by there and you see that, that bike shop, if you could just visualize where as in the 1890s, that was our city's Post office. Oh yeah. So uh, we we were able to uh, do that, and uh, believe it or not, we got out pretty early uh, the other night. I think early as in seven thirty ish. So uh, we we were we <laughs> yeah, were really we were really moving. I wonder if that's night. a record. I don't know. You know, when, when the city is one hundred thirty one years old, kind of have to be careful about saying it's the first time you ever yeah. did anything. So uh, it was pretty fast. Though. It, it wasn't on the agenda last night, but it was part of executive session. The the fine arts master plan. Yes, the fine arts master plan, uh, that is important. As our city continues to grow, uh, we, we also uh, understand that, that culture uh, is important. And, and whether that is, whether that, that uh, paintings, art shows uh, in particular, or, um, you know, plays, uh, things of that nature, bands coming to town, that's something that we really want to do. So I think it's good to have uh, uh, consultants come in, talk to us about uh, what maybe our needs are here in the city. And uh, who knows that uh, in, in maybe a year or two, you'll be walking down the trails and um, we'll have music festivals in Mansfield where you go from trail A to trail B and you got a different genre of music at each one of those as you go from one to the other. Uh, um, Shakespeare in the Park, you know, things of that nature. Sure. Um, a public art and what that uh, should look like, you know, in some of the uh, public spaces, statues here and there. It, it, all it's doing is just kind of raising, if you would, the bar for uh, our city. These are things that we're wanting to bring to our town so folks can come in and enjoy Mansfield and um, help us all out in regard to that our tax base, but also having good times on the weekends and things like that. Absolutely. The city council is taking off uh, for spring break in two weeks, so yes. you're meeting next week. Yes, yes. So we're not really taking off, but yeah, we just right. we we arrange we rearrange rearranging the, yeah the uh, meeting date. So yes, we will be meeting uh, again on uh, uh, next week, and then we will be we 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 will be technically off, but then we'll come back again at the end of the month uh, for our second meeting. So uh, we are by charter. We're by charter. We're held to uh, conducting two meetings each month. Yeah. So we'll see you next week. I will see you then, Lord willing. This is a moment with the mayor on About Mansfield. The COVID-19 epidemic continues its downward trend here in Mansfield. With the good news, the numbers, here's science reporter Dennis Webb. Dennis? Thanks, Steve. We're clearly coming off the peak of the recent Omicron wave of epidemic spread in Mansfield. Mansfield saw 70 new cases last week, continuing four weeks of decline. Four weeks ago, this number was 10 times higher. Two citizens of Mansfield passed away from the virus last week, same as the week before. Mansfield ISD reports 20 active cases at the end of last week, only 4% of the peak we saw in January, so it's way down. Countywide last Friday, 261 fellow citizens were in the hospital with the virus, continuing a steady decline in recent weeks. 77 citizens died from the virus last week, a, a small decline from recent weeks. Reflecting this improved situation, the county has dropped the community spread level from high to substantial. 
Tarrant County Public Health officials still recommend that all eligible citizens get fully vaccinated, wear masks, and keep doing the distance and hand-washing things. Vaccination is still the best recommended step any of us have to prevent severe illness if we do catch the virus. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's being billed as a night at the opera this coming Saturday night at the Far Best Theater. And to fill us in on the details, we've got Dr. Eldred Marshall. He's the artistic director and the conductor of the Mansfield Philharmonic. Dr. Marshall, welcome to About Mansfield. Oh, thanks for having me. First of all, Mansfield's best kept secret. We have a Philharmonic. How long has this Philharmonic been in, in existence? Uh, it's been in existence since 2018. It first started off as the Next Gen Chamber Players, and 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 that began in 2017. They contacted me to play Rhapsody in Blue with piano and strings only for their their very last concert. Then after that, I became the um, the music director of the orchestra, and we changed our name to the Mansfield Philharmonic because we wanted to uh, go beyond just strings. We wanted to bring in winds, brass, and percussion, and play symphonic music. So, so, so as as our iteration, we've been in existence since 2018. And this coming Saturday night at the Far Best Theater is a night at the opera. Describe to our listeners what they can expect to hear. Where they're going to hear, they're going to hear two very short comedic comedic works. Um, the first one is Bach's Coffee Cantata. Even though it's not an opera per se, it is the it is the closest thing that Bach ever got to writing an opera. Uh, it's it's really about coffee addiction, and um, and coffee had just been introduced into Germany around that time, and people thought that there was something wrong with coffee and and wrong with people that drank coffee, and Bach was clearly one of them. So he makes so there's this hilarious uh, little skit between a father, a daughter, and a narrator, uh, where they're going where they where they talk about the joys of coffee and the and the and the and the perils of drinking coffee, um, and and so. So it's, it's really, really, it's really hilarious and everything is wonderful. Um, but then on the second half, we're going to do an opera called um, Bastien ou Bastienne. Um, but, and of course, we're doing it in English. So it's going to be Bastien and Bastienne. Um, and, and so it, it's, it, that opera is, is about uh, two lovers who um, don't quite find their way to keep to each other, but they eventually do, and and and, it, and it's thanks to a magic spell that that um, that that a wizard named Colas is going to give them both an evening of operatic comedy. Yes, that's right. And 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 of course the the skit itself. I mean, the translation we're using um, it, for the Mozart is by Mary Dibbern, who is one of the um, leaders of the Dallas Opera. And and so we are using the Dallas Opera's um, language and the, and their translations, and they and they have graciously um, um, given it to us, allowed us to use it. So we've got to give them credit for it because without 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 this without their translation, none of us would really understand what's going on and, and really be able to enjoy it in its fullest. Performing with the Mansfield Philharmonic are three singers. Tell me about the singers. Oh, um, okay. So, so in both, in both the Bach and the Mozart, it's written for soprano solo, tenor solo, and bass solo. So it's only three people. I've been blessed to work with three incredibly talented singers. Um, the soprano is Dr. Erica Bernice Simmons, who just got her doctorate from UNT 
brilliant soprano, love her voice. The minute you guys hear her open her mouth, you will fall in love. The tenor is named Jarius McClinton. He comes to us from Memphis and he, um, and, and he is new to, new to the area and he has a fantastic voice. And our bass um, singer is William DeRusha, who is also a UNT graduate, but, um, but he, but he's an early music specialist, meaning that he specializes in the music of the earlier Baroque Renaissance period. But one thing that this opera is going to bring out of him is his wonderful comedic acting chops. So you're going to really, really enjoy him as well. Saturday night, the Mansfield Philharmonic a night at the opera. It's performing starting at 7.30 at the Far Best Theater. If you want tickets, log on to tix.com. That's T-I-X dot com. Under the Buy Tickets tab, type in A Night at the Opera, and you're on your way. Go out Saturday night. Go see Dr. Eldred Marshall conduct the Mansfield Philharmonic with some operatic comedy. Dr. Marshall, appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Break a leg. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Nearly 93rd through 12th grade FFA students from the Mansfield area will be competing at the Tarrant County Junior Livestock Show in Fort Worth next week. The categories range from cattle to poultry, rabbits, goats, sheep, pigs, and the youth fair. The livestock show runs Tuesday through Saturday, March 8th through 12th in the Sheep and Swine Barn near Dickey's Arena. The admission is free, but there is a nominal fee to park. Best wishes to the students. Just a quick reminder that if you know of any news that's happening in Mansfield, shoot us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. That email address again is news at aboutmansfield.com. Include your name and phone number in case we need more information. Tuesday was Mardi Gras, which means today, Wednesday, March 2nd, is Ash Wednesday, a solemn reminder of human mortality and the need for reconciliation with God, and marks the beginning of the penitential Lenten season. It is commonly observed with ashes and fasting. Ash Wednesday is officially known as the Day of Ashes, and during an Ash Wednesday Mass, a priest places the ashes on a worshiper's forehead in the shape of a cross. Also on Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, and Fridays during Lent, adult Catholics over the age of 14 abstain from eating meat. However, eggs, milk, fish, grains, and fruits and vegetables are allowed. During the Lenten season, the Knights of Columbus serve up their weekly Friday fish fry at St. Jude Church right here in Mansfield. The public is welcome. Let's check the seven-day weather forecast. Here's Colleen. Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. Our warming trend will continue and will be mostly dry until the weekend when we have about a 40% chance of rain. We're looking at a high of 74 on Wednesday, 77 on Thursday, 75 on Friday, 80 on Saturday, and 78 on Sunday before we cool back down to about 60 degrees from Monday and Tuesday. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Reporter Dennis Webb talks science. Home improvement specialist Terry Radswin presents the Ask Terry segment. And Brian Certain prepares a libation made to make you smile in the cocktail of the week. Also coming up later in the episode, the Mansfield trivia question. And Steve talks in studio with Frostbank president Randall Kennedy. Stay with us. I'm Colleen Daniel. And this is About Mansfield. 
Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Ask Philip, Daughter of the Other Woman, Stir the Pot, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, and We Are TPM, just to name a few, and also handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio out of Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hey Mansfield, Sonia here from Wise Wellness. Did you know that Wise Wellness is now mobile? Yep, we have changed our business model to best serve our clients. That means you can order online and usually have it delivered within 24 hours or less. We're bringing the best CBD tinctures, topicals, edibles, and pet products directly to your door. Visit our website at wisewell.com to see our selection. That's W-Y-S-E-Well.com. Got pain? Need sleep? Does your pet have storm or separation anxiety? We've got you covered. Don't forget about our specialty, Tom's Treats. These little gems of goodness can help promote better sleep and overall wellness. With six main ingredients and no preservatives, they're the best around. Give us a call at 682-313-4767, visit the website, or reach out to us on social media to connect. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, use the promo code AMPOD to buy one, get one free on our website. Again, that's wisewell.com, W-Y-S-E, well.com. Hi, I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb is pondering whether international politics is being discussed aboard the International Space Station. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. A social media friend asked how things are going on the International Space Station with American and Russians working together in light of the international reaction to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I expect these recent events are discussed among the astronauts and cosmonauts as they all have access to news from their respective control centers on Earth, but I expect it is not an obstacle to their work. Every crew trains together for months and recognizes their safety depends on each other. From what I can tell, the international crews all become work friends, and many international friendships last far beyond their missions in space. When your common enemy is the deadly vacuum of space, unity comes naturally. I would expect the mission commander to have already led a discussion among his international crew. The current crew is commanded by Russian cosmonaut Anton Shkoplerov, who is a veteran of three prior space flights. Shkoplerov was born in Sevastopol, Crimea until recently a province of Ukraine. The crew includes another Russian, four Americans, and a German who represents the European Space Agency. When the initial idea of a USA partnership with Russia on a space station was advanced as a policy beneficial to both nations, it seemed impossible to us who had to make it work. 
However, once actual humans started working together on actual engineering and physics challenges, the geopolitical issues become background noise, only occasionally an obstacle to be overcome. I can't tell if this is different from past USA-Russia geopolitical frictions, and there have been several already. The current head of the Russian Space Agency, Dmitry Rogozin, made some crazy remarks this week about ISS crashing down on USA and Europe. He has previously made similar remarks, perhaps a condition of his employment by Russian President Vladimir Putin. Rogozin is currently under U.S. sanctions for his role in the Russian annexation of Crimea in 2014, and he has just pulled out of several future space partnerships with Europe. NASA leaders, as they usually do, are blandly saying that the space flyers on the, and their teams on the ground are working together to safely accomplish the mission. I expect the leaders at the interface between policy and engineering in both countries are working overtime to keep the partnership going and the crew safe, but all are aware that they could get different direction from above. The geopolitical forces that created the partnership could end it, though we are early in this situation. If either nation considers withdrawing from the partnership, there are several other factors that pull the decision in different directions. The U.S. has a commitment to Europe, Japan, and Canada to keep the ISS going, equivalent to a treaty. As discussed here in the last few weeks, the International Space Station is aging and will not last forever, so its end is already contemplated. Third, in both the U.S. and Russia, private industry expects another decade of government funding to keep the space station supplied and inhabited. Money likes to keep flowing where it has already been flowing. Fourth factor, when the ISS ends its orbital mission, several national space agencies can redirect what they were spending on ISS to other projects. Finally, despite Rogozin's fiery rhetoric, nobody wants an uncontrolled entry of the ISS where big pieces might land on people. If the ISS ends its operation prematurely, there will be internal and international pressure to have a managed control entry of the massive facility. Anything can happen, but I hope the ISS continues to fly with multinational crews for a few more years. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Shaken or stirred, either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain is serving up another perfect libation for his cocktail of the week. Brian. This week's cocktail of the week is the Strawberry Blonde. As I was roaming my local liquor store lately, I wandered down the tequila aisle and I saw a label that caught my eye. It was for Tanto Jalapeno Tequila. And to say that I was intrigued was to be an, an understatement. As you may know by now, I love a little spice in my cocktails and realize this might be a great way to add some heat to my next invention. As I looked into Tonto a little further, I found out they also have a Chipotle tequila, a Blanco or silver tequila, and a Habanero tequila as well. And you may see them in a later episode. But for today's cocktail, I went a little bit simple going with the traditional flavors for a margarita. But don't worry about taking notes, and I'll be giving out the ingredients and instructions, and as always, posting them on bourbongospel.com. This week's Cocktail of the Week, the Strawberry Blonde. Ingredients, you're going to use two ounces of the Tonto Jalapeno Tequila. That's T-A-N-T-E-O, Jalapeno Tequila. One ounce of fresh lime juice, one ounce of simple syrup, and one strawberry. 
You're going to take the strawberry and put it in a shaker glass, muddle it, break it down, add the ice and all of the ingredients, shake thoroughly and pour into a new glass with new ice and garnish with the strawberry and jalapeno. As always, I'm open to hear your take and input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Jeffrey Thomas, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. When was the Mansfield ISD established? Jeffrey knew that MISD was established on May 22nd, 1909. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Big D Barbecue, pumping out smoked tender meat and a unique organic sauce paired with local craft beers since 2013. Located next to the railroad tracks at 226 North Walnut Creek Drive, right here in Mansfield. You can find them on the internet at bigdbarbecue.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, in 1958, the city changed the name of downtown's north-south thoroughfare to Main Street. This week's trivia question is, what was Main Street called prior to 1958? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what was Main Street called prior to its name change in 1958? Good luck, and thanks to Jordy and Gary at Big D for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, he's kind of a who's who of Mansfield. And But when it comes to community involvement, and we will definitely talk about this as well. Uh, he either is or was chairman of the Methodist Mansfield Medical Center Community Advisory Board, board member of Methodist Health System Board of Directors, Southeast Tarrant Transportation Partnership, Meredith Hatch Foundation, Visions 2020, Tarrant County College Foundation, Salvation Army Youth Education Foundation, Mansfield Sunrise Rotary. We got to get you over to the noontime one. Mansfield Chamber of Commerce. Arlington, Big Brothers and Sisters, Tarrant County Community College, Ben Barber Career Tech Academy, Mansfield ISD Education Foundation, Mansfield Community Development Corporation. He's a stewardship chair of the First United Methodist Church in Mansfield, and he's the president of Frost Bank. Randall Kennedy. Oh, man. that's I just do what I like to do, Steve. Is, is there anything you haven't done here in Mansfield? <laughs> uh, you know, there really hasn't. Uh, I've I've always felt that in any type of role such as you've just described, it has to be something that you're passionate about. And, you know, you might say, how can you be passionate about that many things? But part of being a president of a bank is you are asked to be on a lot of boards. You know, they all need treasurers, which oh, yeah. I hate doing for any organization. <laughs> can you balance a checkbook? I can balance a checkbook, but okay. why do you do that when you've got online banking now? Yes. I, I question my customers that come in and say, I can't balance my checkbook. Well, you know, we do it for you online now. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I always ask my better half, my wonderful, wonderful wife of 34 years, 
what do you think? Do you think it's okay? And she always says, if you feel like you have the time, and she's provided me with a significant amount of uh, of laxity on evenings when I might have meetings and things like that. And so as long as I feel like I am con- contributing to an organization, I've just been asked, and in fact, tomorrow is the first meeting that I will attend for the Mission Center. Yes. Which is rather unusual because... Um, it will be my second time being on the board. Uh, it's changed a lot. Carmen McMillan has done a tremendous job there. Not to say that Teresa Sherwood, or should I say St. Teresa Sherwood, yeah. didn't do an outstanding job. But when I was on the board back in the early 90s, it was Teresa, Donnie, and Terry Toomey, God rest his soul. That was the board of the Wesley Mission Center, which, of course, is now Mansfield Mission Center. But I really look forward to being engaged with that organization and uh, love what Carmen and Lindsay and Annalise and all of them have done. They've just really made an amazing organization. And and I forgot to mention, you're also on the Mansfield ISD uh, Board of Trustees. Correct. Place three, if I recall. That is correct. And you're not running for reelection. That's correct. Okay, and we'll we'll talk about that in in a second. But okay. but what what we like to do in these these interviews really is is find out who Randall Kennedy is, and and so we'll we're going to take you back. Okay, where were you born? I was born in Richmond, Virginia, on University Avenue, one block from the University of of Richmond, uh, which and uh, I, I my dad was a life. I'm, Let's see. At 65, he retired, if you can believe this, after 57 years with General Electric Supply Company. Wow. He started out when he was nine years old as a office boy. My dad was a an orphan that was taken in with a foster home. Mm-hmm. He finished eighth grade and yet attained a, an executive management position with, you know, one of the largest corporations in the world. Very, very proud of my dad and everything he accomplished. Um, but my dad was originally in Houston, got transferred through a promotion to Richmond. And then from Richmond, we only lived there for three years after I was born. I have two older brothers. Uh, both, both of them were born in Houston. And then we got transferred to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I lived in Charlotte until I was in sixth grade. And then um and then my dad got transferred to his retired position at in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm a Southern boy, no question about it. <laughs> you got a little bit of twang in your voice. You know, it's it, funny. It, my wife and I love to travel, and particularly in northern cities like Chicago, yeah. New York, whatever. It'll either be a waitress or a bartender. Within an hour after we're there, I'll order something, and they'll say, well, you're from the South, aren't you? And I'll say, <laughs> It doesn't sound Southern to me, but the interesting thing I always tell people about, I think my dialect was probably forged in North Carolina. And the unique thing about North Carolina and South Carolina as well, we don't pronounce R's. I mean, if y'all, yeah. if you're from North Carolina, you don't hear any R's in there. And that's a large part of the population that are natives in that part of the country. There's a Jimmy Buffett song that says uh, one of the lines in the song is uh, you don't pronounce your R's and G's. So if if it ends in I-N-G, it's you're, you're swinging, you're yeah. singing. Yep. There, there's no there's no G. But yeah, the, the R's as well yep. is, a, is a Southern thing. You said uh, Atlanta area, correct? Is where you you went through schooling? Yeah, I went to high school in a a little suburb of uh, 
North Atlanta. It was called Sandy Springs. In fact, the high school I went to the year I graduated in 1970, they, they closed the school after that. And I swear I had nothing to do with that. Um, it was just an older school and they had built a brand new school and they moved that and it was actually called North Springs. Um, my experience in Atlanta could not have been better. I, I feel like, you know, people have asked me before, you know, would you like to go back and live now as a 17-year-old and whatever? I wouldn't have picked a, a better time to have been. I'm a huge rock music maven. Okay. And uh, I love it. I worked in radio when I was in college, did a DJ show when I was in college, and it was rock music. I've always had an amazing love for rock music. And in fact, I've actually even floated the idea with some administrators in school districts and in community colleges about teaching a course called the history of rock. Yeah. Um, I feel like I could really contribute to that because I study it constantly. I love the history of rock. You know, I, my, my degree in college is in civil war history. So I love history. Um, and so I've, I've, I just love that in Atlanta. A lot of people don't realize other than San Francisco and New York, perhaps mm -hmm. Atlanta was probably the strongest rock music, area in the country, not just Southern rock, but it was, I mean, every weekend we were at coffee houses listening to great music. Um, and, you know, I just, my, I've got a middle brother that's four years older than I am. And he and I have been best friends for ever since I was little and he loved it too. So we, that was one thing that we still talk when we're, when we talk, he lives in Tampa, Florida. And whenever we talk, we it usually gets back to concerts that we've just recently seen. I still go to probably six or eight concerts a year. What was the last concert you went to? Er Eric Clapton at Dickey's Arena. Okay. Probably the 15th time I've seen Eric Clapton. The first time being with Cream, and mm -hmm. I was sitting in a tree at Chastain Park in Atlanta, because I couldn't afford to get in. Uh, Chastain Park is a real cool park in Atlanta, not far from where I live there. Um and it was a outdoor shell like Hollywood Bowl or Red Rock, something of that nature. Yeah. And I couldn't afford to get in. I was like in 11th grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. So they had trees surrounding it. So my buddies and I got up in the tree and, and saw, you, saw cream with Ginger Baker, Eric wow. Clapton, and Jack Bruce. And wow. wow. Now, that that's back in the day when, when concert tickets were 10 bucks, though. I used to have a – we used to have one of these terrarium bowls that – Frankly, we had dumped all the dirt and the dead plants out of. And I used to have all my old concert tickets in there. And, you know, it's one of those things when they clean out my house after I'm gone, they'll probably find That's, that terrarium of oh, tickets yeah. because yeah. I'm not moving anytime soon. I don't want to clean my attic out. That's why I don't want to move. I'm going to guess, yeah, I've probably, I've been to hundreds and hundreds of concerts. I know uh, you're a music guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually, I, I would assume you, you, like to read books. Um, I'm halfway through Eric Clapton's autobiography. I, yeah, I want to read it. I've got it on my my list. I'm I predominantly read uh, historical yeah. works. Uh, I, I'm completely a nonfiction guy. I just finished the Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson about Winston Churchill, the year he took over as prime minister. Brilliant book. I'm now reading. Um, David McCullough's The Pioneers about the first group that went to the Northwest Territory. And I mean, it's it's fantastic. But I do occasionally read, you know, a rock documentary or something like that. 
most often I find they're not as well written as a lot of really good historical. I'm so used to really good historical writers. Right. right. Um, I sometimes get bogged down and think, you know, this book's just, you know, it's just facts, 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 facts. It's not, it doesn't have anything that really ties me into the life that these guys really had. I think there's something about uh, reading biographies of of British musicians. There, there's a certain higher level mm-hmm. of literacy that comes yep. from from England yep. than and reading. Uh, well, John Lennon's was not an autobiography, mm-hmm. but but uh, the uh, I believe that book was called Life. Yes. was was yes. a very good read. Yeah, I've read yeah. that. Um, so the uh, all right. So the last concert was Eric Clapton. The 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 best concert you've been to. You, gosh, you you know it's funny. I knew I was going to get around to talking about rock music because it's such an important part of my life. And I anticipated this. Yeah. It's so difficult, but one that always pops up. My favorite band of all time was the Allman Brothers Band. You know, I was from Atlanta. I used to watch them in, there's a famous park in downtown Atlanta called Piedmont Park. It was a maven for hippies back in the late 60s and early 70s. And I can remember (laughs) when... The Allman Brothers, every Sunday afternoon, would play three- and four-hour free concerts at Piedmont Park before they were famous. Yeah. And we would go down there. But my probably the most—the concert that I tend to always dwell upon is in 1971. Some roommates of mine from college that were all big music guys, too. We went up to RFK Stadium— the Allman Brothers opened at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and when they finished their set at 6.30, at 8 o'clock, Grateful Dead came on and played till midnight. Of, of course. It That's, was. And it was amazing. one song, right? It was the, the, <laughs> Dark Star. The, no, it was, it was great. I've always been a big Grateful Dead fan. It's, yeah. You can't take somebody that just wants to listen to a song and turn on a Grateful Dead album and say, hey, I like these guys. What do you think? They'll go, what? You really have to understand kind of the backstory of the Grateful Dead and, you know, how Jerry Garcia got started and whatever. Um, but uh, amazing, amazing, uh, you know, it, his and Bob Weir's guitar work together right. was brilliant, just like Dickie Betts and Greg Allman and Dwayne Allman's was. It, I can sit and put on headphones and listen to In Memory of Elizabeth Reed and yeah. all the great Allman Brothers songs 500 times, and I will hear something new every time. Jessica, one yeah. of my favorite instrumentals. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I sit there with my guitar, and I say, like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I, I'm working through the solo. I'm, it, 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 I love to play it. I love to hear it. It's one of those songs sometimes you, you see on Facebook. What is the one song you... Sit in the car until the song is over. Yeah, Jessica. And and you know every time I listen to Eat a Peach, which that that song is off of, yep. it it you know it it just reminds me that they recorded that album about three weeks before Dwayne Allman was killed, mm-hmm. and it just it it always saddens me because I'll listen to those guitar chords on that acoustic guitar and think that if he would have only lived, if he hadn't gotten on that motorcycle, right? Um, but. You know, that's just the way the Lord works. It was his time. 
You know, what What would the Beatles have been in the, the 80s? Had uh, I think about things like that all yeah, the time, oh, too. Yeah. And not only with that, with actors and things like right. that. I mean, people that are just brilliant in their craft, but they're taken too soon. Um, crazy. Let's go back to Sandy Springs High School. Uh, what did you play sports? Were you into music? Well, uh, yeah, did, yes and yes. Yes and uh, yes. You know, uh, I I was in the day uh, that you played, if you were a good athlete, you played every sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not like the fact now that you, are, you have to determine in eighth grade which sport you want to go. And I, I truly feel that we leave a lot of really great athletes that may, you know, they may decide in... I'll give an example. Uh, I know a young lady uh, that played volleyball at Mansfield High School. Well, her dad, who was a very good friend of mine, told me, you ought to see her play basketball. But she couldn't play basketball because she played volleyball. Well, who's to say that she wouldn't have even gotten better at basketball continuing to play, maybe even gone into the WNBA? I played football. I played basketball, which usually they were about 10 games into the season. But the best basketball players played football, too. Right. So we'd often go into a 5-5 five and five record and end up 22-5. and five. Uh, we, <laughs> Because here come the football players. My, my sophomore year, we won state in basketball in Georgia, which was – we were still segregated then. Um, and uh, we, we would always go to state almost every year. We won it. My sophomore year, which I was a bench warmer, and then my senior year when I started, and we won state. Um, but we had a tremendous coach, and and then I I played baseball as well. So you know I I wasn't great at any of them, mm-hmm. uh, but I always I grew up in an athletic centric family. Both my brothers were, my middle brother uh, was an amazing left-handed pitcher. Uh, he could throw a curveball before I even knew what a curveball was. It yeah. Was, yeah. You're throwing that ball at me, but I'm having to catch it down here on the ground. He just had a knack, and then he pitched all the way through school and everything. But, I, I mean, I just feel like the, the scenario now where we don't allow these people to play numerous sports is – it's just it, we're not being able to ferret out really some of the better athletes in sports that they just don't choose. And so you football, basketball, baseball. Correct. If in eighth grade you had to choose one sport, what would it have been? It would have been a basketball. Basketball. I grew up in North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, it's 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 funny, you know, moving to Texas where you know there's Christianity, Judaism, all the other religions, and high school football. It was. I mean, we in. I didn't stay in North Carolina long enough to be play football. Both my brothers did because they were in high school in North Carolina. But let me tell you, basketball in North Carolina because we had University of North Carolina, we had Duke, we had North Carolina State, all with really really good programs. And of course, I was immediately a University of North Carolina. I'm still, my wife will tell you that I am the biggest Tar Heel fan you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, you. If, if you went in subdivisions in Charlotte, every house had a basketball goal in the driveway. Nice. Every house. I mean, it's it's just big there. It's different parts of the country. 
What position did you play? Point guard. Okay. I wasn't he, any taller then than I, I am was, now. I was going to say, though, you're not five foot two. You're, no, you're, no, I mean, I'm 5'11". Okay. But, you know, even back then, uh, our our best player was also the defensive end on our football team that was all-state football. He was like 6'8". Um, and I could always handle the ball pretty well. So. Yeah. I still played till the old ACL. I, we have a group that plays up at church, at the Methodist Church, every Sunday night. It's actually a great ministry we have at the church. Those guys are really, really, they do a Bible study, and then they play basketball for two or three hours. Wow. Um, great bunch of guys. But I was, you know, I would go out there when I was, you know, in my I'm getting ready to turn 70, but I'd go out there when I was in my early 60s, you know, thinking, hey, I can go out and hang with these guys. And then these 22-year-olds come out there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the old knees don't hold up like they did when you were 25. And I never had any injuries or anything in football or basketball. I was just lucky. So I play a lot of tennis, and same thing. I now have reached my my sixth decade, and – Still going on the court playing these twenty year olds, thirty year olds, and it's like, okay, but, you know, why did I do that? And, yep. um, so, were you a good student? Um, yeah, I guess I was probably a pretty good student. Um, I, you know, it's funny being a banker. People just naturally think you're a really good math person. My <laughs> least favorite. I, I mean, it just. One of my, you know, I'm a Rotarian, and we have an Interact Club in Mansfield High School, and and our Interact sponsor is is Miss Risso, Kristen Risso, and uh-huh. she's the advanced algebra teacher over there. And I always tease her about how, man, would I have ever used her as a tutor when I was in school because I had to scrape to get through the math courses. Uh, you know, the the humanities. That's my strength. I mean, I was reading encyclopedias when I was a little boy. Wow. I just have always had this great thirst for history. And, you know, I, I, it's just something I love. And I've always said you either love history or you hate it. And you mentioned Civil War history was your major. Where'd you go to college? University of North Carolina. You were Tar Heel. Mm-hmm. All right. Which is which that's why you are the biggest Tar Heel yeah. fan <laughs> If I hadn't have gone there, I probably still would have been. It was already well into my blood by then. I mean, they had, um, I guess it was right around 1964, uh, they had a young man named Larry Miller that was an All-American for them. And by then, I was following every game, listening to it on the radio because they didn't have them on TV. And I just became just, I mean, I would go out in the back, in the driveway by myself, and there's 10 seconds left in the game, and I'm Larry Miller. Uh, I mean, it, I just I loved it, and it, it stayed with me. Even when I moved to Georgia, and, you know, I became, just because it was there, I became a fan of Georgia Tech. I went to a lot of Georgia Tech football games. But I always had this heart for North Carolina, and, and I always told my dad, you know, because living in Georgia, that to go back to North Carolina would have been out-of-state tuition when we had wonderful colleges in Georgia. I mean, University of Georgia, and I could have gotten in any of those schools, I would hope. Um, But my dad always said, if you keep up your grades and, most importantly, if you ever get below a 3-0 at Carolina, you're coming back. Yeah. So that was really motivation for me in college. And, you know, I, I went through that same deal where, I'm still very, very close friends with a lot of my friends in college, many of them who majored in beer drinking. And, you know, my freshman year, 
you know, everybody's, hey, we're free from the bondage of our parents. Let's go to the Raskeller and drink. And I would always think those words of my dad would echo in my brain. You get below a 3-0, you're coming home. That's and right. I already liked these guys enough to where I didn't want to quit hanging with them. So I'd still, I'd stay in the dorm a lot of times and, and get my studies done. And there's a, you know, when you're a history major, <clears throat> There's a lot of work that you have to do. I mean, there's a lot of research. I can remember many nights when our campus library, you know, it was open 24 hours. I'd be yeah. up there at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. Another one of my laments I worry about is that we're losing the ability to research things because why, when you can just Google any subject in the world and you've got 50 treatises on that particular subject. I mean, we used to have to go up, and, and I know this sounds like old man's Lament. Oh yeah, the the library is is but what Google is now. It, it it's just as much as you know. I'd be tired and I'd be drinking. Co- That's where I learned to drink coffee. Like a lot of my generation, <laughs> you drank coffee because you stayed up all night. You know, while you're doing it, it feels like it's a beating. But you look back on it, and you've got fond memories of staying in that library till three o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, and then you get in. A minus or a B plus on a paper, and you think, yeah, yeah, it was worth. There's, there's that. a reason why I stayed up that late. Yep. And yep, uh, you mentioned that you were a, a DJ on the campus. Mm-hmm. We had a radio. campus radio station. Did you ever think that you were going to have a career in radio? Yeah, you know, I, I really didn't. Being a history major, I guess you know, I can still remember my dad, who obviously was a you know seventy year businessman. You're going to go to school and study what? What are you going to do with that? And I said, well, you know, Dad, if I have to, I'll teach. And I guarantee you I would love to teach. And so that was was always my thought. Um, And, you know, we can get into that in a minute, how I ended up being a banker. But, you know, to answer your question directly, uh, yeah, we had a we had a campus radio station that was just started. I'm trying to think of that guy's name that actually was the general manager of the station. He was a student. He was one of those guys that you run across in college from time to time. You're still in school and you're 30 years old? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah professional student. His name was Jay, and I won't tell you his last name because somebody will Google him. Um, but that was him. But he just loved college, and he had petitioned the school to start a student radio station. And by then, I was writing a rock column for the school newspaper. And, you know, I'd, I think maybe once or twice a week, I'd write a column and submit it, and it would go in a little student newspaper, which actually was paper that you got. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a thing called the Internet when I was in school. <laughs> so Jay came to me one day and said, hey, would you like to do a radio show? Uh, you know, you play whatever genre of music you want to play. And I said, well, sure, I'd love to. Uh he said, well, we have an opening 12 to 3. And I said, well, that's great. I'll have to change some of my classes around. And he said, no, 12 to 3. In the morning? Yes. Oh, no. It was an all-night radio station. Oh, no. <laughs> so I said, you know, Jay, if this might be a you know the Lord laying a door open for me to long-term career path, sure. So I would... You know, I'd come home from studying or something and cat nap till midnight, and I'd go do a 12 to 3 show. And the poor slob that had to come in at 3 o'clock in the morning, I, I actually think we tagged into some syndicated show at that point in time. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like 3 to 7 in the morning or something. 
12 to 3, five days a week? No, it wasn't it's, five days a week. And, you know, the distance between that era of my life and now fails me. I, I think I probably did it like three days a week. Okay. The rest of the time there. There were a bunch of kids. We had a big radio communications department at school or school of radio communications and uh, radio and television. And, and a lot of those kids wanted to do that, that kind of work. So, and, and I, I one of the most enjoyable things I did, you know, it was funny, the the era that I went to college from 70 to 74 was when a lot of colleges were starting to really embrace the culture of, you know, rock music and whatever. We started with the festivals. Right. And so our student body, um, the I mean, student government created a new position the year I was a freshman. And I can't remember. It was it was actually a position on on the student council, but it was to manage all of the events, the concerts, and the speakers, and all that kind of stuff. And so I I ran for that because it was actually an elected position, and I won it. So the four years I was at school, I was the one that worked with the agents and the promoters and everything and brought in all the music and all the speakers. And that's another thing one day I'm going to write a book about because, I, I mean, I got to meet. I'm going to see Elton John in March. Yeah. I yeah. brought him to campus in 1971. Wow. Nice. i probably seen him 20 times since then. He does put on a great concert if you've ever seen him. Uh, I've seen him three times. Yeah. It's a pretty good concert. Yes. Particularly, particularly when he's got, you know, D. Snyder and – those well, guys. and he does this current tour. He does. Those guys are back with him. I haven't really looked hard at it. I've just my wife's never seen him, and I told her I said if he comes around. Of course, we got the the one that was canceled two or three weeks ago. In fact, I'm taking James and Myrna. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And is uh, percussion guy Ray? Um, oh, I can't think of his last name. Um, and he and he's on the uh, he's on the Eric Clapton Unplugged album. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ray. Oh my god. Okay. I know who you're talking about, but I can't think of his name right now. It's just oh, phenomenal. But some um, of the speakers I Ray got, Cooper. Yes, Ray Cooper. Exactly. I got to meet um Gene Roddenberry, Rod Serling. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other speakers we had. Because they were really, you know, we you know, we didn't have limousines to pick anybody up. I mean, right. I picked them up at the airport and took them back to the airport afterwards. But we brought in some we we brought in a lot of big bands back in those days. Of course, it, you know, it was a big school. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had concerts probably every 90 days. And then we we had a big spring concert outdoors three days deal and we bring in two or three acts a day i uh i brought in jim croce and we were the last concert he did before he got on his plane oh, and no. crashed huh so let's um let's get you up from from from, <laughs> from civil war history up to a, a banker how <laughs> well you know if how you, do you make that transition from from it's a great question, and I've, I guess That's I've told the story the a million times because people go, how in the world could you possibly become a banker? Um, I graduated from college in 1974, and if you know much about history, we had a president by the name of Jimmy Carter, yeah. and we had the famous Carter Recession. Literally, Steve, you could not get jobs in virtually any I mean, I, I was willing to go to Charlotte. I was willing to go to Atlanta, Washington, D.C., whatever. And you remember the days when you would go in your 
school library and they would have the wooden racks of the newspapers from around the country. Yes. We'd have the San Francisco Examiner, the Los Angeles Times, Chicago Sun-Times. Dallas Morning News was the only one that had a want-ad section for jobs. Hmm. And so my middle brother that I've referenced several times was already out here. He was teaching in a private school in Oak Cliff, and he had already been telling my family what a great place Texas was. He had lived out here about two years with his wife. Um, I had never even thought about going to Texas, but I was I graduated with honors. I had a great degree. I couldn't get a job working at a McDonald's. Right. And, you know, all my friends were in the same boat. So with encouragement from my brother, I packed up my Toyota Corolla and headed west and got out here and immediately started looking in the want ads. And what had happened was so many people employed people that had been laid off in the Rust Belt and Northeast and everything. You know the history of the Metroplex. I honestly believe, and this is certainly isn't factual, um, but I honestly believe that prior to the early 70s, probably 80% of the people in Texas were native Texans. After the 1970s, it was probably 40, 60, meaning 60% were expatriates. Yeah. And that was a great migration. Well, what happened then is the banks had to have people to help with development loans and mortgage loans and things of that nature. So the banking industry was hiring people regardless of what your degree was. So I went to work for a bank in Dallas. Honestly, my goal was to stay here for three or four years, build up enough money to go back to either North Carolina or Georgia, both places that I, to this day, love. Um, but here, let's see, I moved here in 1974. Do the math. I've never made that transition back yep. because yep. It's, it's, it's just an outstanding place. I tell that, that story to a lot of people that are you know, come from out of state and they moved to Texas, not for the same reason I did. Maybe right. they got transferred down here. They're from Ohio. They're from wherever. And they'll say, you know, we're coming down here because my husband got transferred down here, but we'll probably go back to Ohio one of these days. And I'll go, yep, that's what I thought many well, years ago. But once you get down here, it's not an easy place to leave. We're talking with the ubiquitous Randall Kennedy, and we will pick up the rest of the interview right here next week. This is also the place where you can hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Home Improvement feature, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. <laughs>